Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I am with Megan Scutney who is the Sales and Marketing Director of Ling and Reed Napa Valley. She is also the proprietor of Rockhound, a brand new brand. She started with her husband just recently, and we'll talk all about that a little bit later. But Megan, it is over-the-top delightful to not only sit down with you, but to finally meet you. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, you're one of my people. You're from Georgia. I know. Southern Roots coming through. We got to get some wine or bourbon or something. Or all of it. Yeah. <laughs> some bold peanuts. Yeah. We could just do it all. I know. Mm-hmm. It's in our future. I agree. I'm sure of it. Well, we have got to dive into your story. So as I said, you are from Georgia, Atlanta, mm-hmm. Georgia. Yep. Born and raised. Did you ever think in your wildest dreams that you would be living in the Napa Valley? Never. <laughs> <laughs> so is this a dream yeah. come true? Yeah. Well, I will say it is. It is. So I grew up born and raised in Atlanta. I went to the University of Georgia. Um, go dogs. When I was growing up, the Georgia State Lottery would pay for your in-state tuition if you graduated high school with a 3.0 or better. And so Georgia was kind of the end-all be-all. It was always the path I was on. And um, I was getting a degree in sports business. And Georgia was a little too big, too crazy for me. And my junior year, I needed a break and ended up coming out to California. I am aware of that. (laughs) And that sounds good, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but where you landed just mm-hmm. baffles me. I know. I know. <laughs> How did you decide to go to Humboldt State University? That's not top of you mind. You don't just end up there. <laughs> right. No. No. So explain. Yeah. So on this in-state scholarship, there were 200 schools at the time. It was a national student exchange program. So you could utilize whatever scholarship you were on in state and go out of state. And I have a degree in sports business. I wanted to move to Boston and I wanted to work for the Bruins and trade and sell hockey players. That was, that was where I was. That was the plan. That was where I was going with life. Um, I loved college football. I loved college sports. I was going into pro sports and, uh, this exchange program, you had to utilize something that would go within your major. And the only school in Boston was UMass Boston uh, which is a journalism journalism school, and they had nothing to offer for a sports business degree. So, sorry, kid, you're out of luck. Go back to Georgia. Great. And one day I get a letter in the mail, not solicited, from Humboldt State. And it says, Dear Miss Atkins, we have a you know a great kinesiology program that would fit right in your sports degree and some business classes you would take, and please come to California. And being 20 years old and from the Bible Belt, like Baptist Church on every street corner, mm-hmm. I never realized how vastly different California was, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, great, like California, let's go. Let's. I loaded up my bathing suits and my beach towels and my dog, and my mom and I just drove. And we signed up. I committed for my junior year, and we hit Lake Tahoe, and we just kept going north. And we hit Mendocino, we kept going north. 
and we get to Humboldt County. I just thought, oh my God, what have we done? Like, where, where are we? And we get to the plaza and there's drum circles and everybody's smoking pot. And I just, oh my God, it was so out of my element. It was complete culture shock. Right. So, um, but up there I met my husband. I know. And there, that there's was the it, right? Lining. The silver lining. <laughs> And so the first time I met him, he had a bottle of Cabernet Franc from Lang and Reed. And he was on his, he was this hippie with long blonde hair and he had his uh, parents wine and his long board and he skated right into my life. And that was And that it. was in 2003. I know we were 20 years old. We were babies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He changed your life forever. He did. I, I will say he literally lifted the veil off of Humboldt County figuratively and literally (laughs) very very foggy up there but um he kind of exposed me to the treasures of northern california i mean he worked at a beautiful restaurant up there and he would bring home bushels of local oysters from humboldt bay and we were drinking amazing wines and it just i mean i grew up we were drinking jim beam in college i wasn't drinking you know marcus and chardonnay (laughs) i was was, uh, you know feels like i was slumming it and then you know he brought me to napa valley one day and he took me to Oakville Grocery where Lang and Reed had a, God, they had like a charge account. And he just said, you know, go to town, like whatever you want. And I, we came to St. Helena. It was like Mayberry. Right. I mean, how is this real life? I know. Isn't it fantastic? It's wild. And growing up in a town that had, you know, 18 lane highways, mm-hmm. it was just, it just slowed down. And it, for us, I mean, Reed and I grown up I, or through college, I just remember dreaming like wouldn't it be amazing if one day we went into business with your parents and one day we worked with Lang and Reed and 20 years later here we are you did your junior year there what happened senior year I had to go back so I had to go contractually I had to go back to Georgia oh so I went back to Georgia Reed and I had just turned 21 and we just high-fived and said I love you I'll see you when I see you I will admit it was more me I was not ready to just lock in, settle down. And Reed will tell you he was ready. And, um, so it was one of those things where I think he and I both knew it was the, it was the end goal. It was the long of the long goal, but, um, what we were just so young. So I went back to Georgia. I graduated in 2005 and then I worked for the peach bowl in Atlanta and it was the, uh, 0506 football season. So I did sales and marketing for them. And then I moved to New Zealand so my, um, I had been toying with the idea of grad school. I was looking in Australia and then New Zealand and simultaneously Reed was looking at harvest in Australia and New Zealand. And both of us kind of bombarded back and forth and which where, where were we going to go? And he ended up down South, uh, at Mudhouse and on uh, New Zealand. And I ended up just outside of Auckland waiting tables. And we reconnected, rekindled, traveled the country, and that was it. We moved back here to California and uh, started our life at that point. Okay, you missed a major step. <laughs> they lived in France, got married in I France. I know, that was after. Can you believe that? So we had to go back to school. Well, I had already finished. We had right. to go back to Humboldt. Reed had to finish school. Oh, okay. So at that point, gosh, it would have been, he graduated in spring of 08, And he had already worked a harvest or two down here in Napa. And then he'd worked the harvest in New Zealand. And we were trying to figure out what the heck we were going to do with our lives. And, um, you know, were we going to stay in California? I was thinking about the city, you know, working with the Giants, trying to to dig back into sports. 
And we did what anybody does, and we sold everything we owned, and we moved to France. <laughs> and we, <laughs> he was uh, working the 08 harvest over in the Loire Valley in Chinon for Bernard Baudry, which is a spectacularly close family friend of ours. And I ate and drank my way through the Loire Valley for nine months. And it was spectacular. It was amazing. It was eye-opening. And, and the, the drive was that if Lang and Reed was our end goal and we were going to go into business with his parents, how could we do that without finding our own passion for Cabernet Franc? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did. And, and Shannon Blanc. And Shannon. And that's where the Shannon came from. Right. So I fell in love with Shannon, hands down. And I remember in college drinking magnums of Behringer and we would, I'd stash it in the river and it'd be ice cold and, but it never, I never thought twice about it. There wasn't anything there that I couldn't live without. And the first time I went to Vouvray, uh, we had just, we'd been talking to friends about finding these crusty old Vouvray producers and they were making Shenan that didn't have labels on it. And we were drinking Moyous and we were drinking Demisex and, and as dry as you could be. And I just started tumbling down this rabbit hole of how could one variety be so versatile? And then Reed started making it, and it was just this winemaker darling that we couldn't get enough of. So we spent as many, I couldn't even tell you how many weekends we spent in Vouvray and, you know, 20-something blonde kids walking up saying, bonjour, and these poor (laughs) Frenchmen wanting to have nothing to do with us. And by the end of it, we were having dinner with their family and pulling out these beautiful, you know, 1950s, 1960s Shenins that I just, I didn't even know existed. And so not only did we find a passion for Cabernet Franc, but the Shenin really turned our heads. And um, we stayed over there until March of 09 and got married over there through a raging party. And we wanted to show everyone the life that we were living at the time. And so it was now that I think about it, it seems like it, if I, if I were to tell you all the details, it would sound so fancy and so glamorous, but really it was as rustic and country French as we could make it. It was our favorite butcher and his handmade terrines that he was catering our rehearsal dinner. And we had five different producers of Shannon on our wedding menu. And we just wanted people to fall in love with what we'd fallen in love with. And so we got married and came home broke (laughs) and moved in in with his parents in St. Helena and started our life here in Napa Valley. Well, and that was the moment that you decided to join the family business. Yeah, it was the, I think that that was the point where the second generation spin started to happen with Lang and Reed. And we came home, we wanted to make Shannon hands down we had already made. We were already making for Lang and Reed a Loire Valley Chinon style Cabernet Franc to start. That was the inspiration, um, and why not make something that went hand in hand with it? And here, I mean, there's so many amazing Sauvignon Blanc producers and Chardonnay producers. How could we just think a little bit more outside the box? And but it took us four years to even find fruit uh, for Chenin. So we didn't start making Chenin until 2013. Um, but until that point, I actually, uh, cut my teeth in the wine industry with the Hall family over at Longmeadow Ranch. And so, uh, Chris Hall was essentially a mentor to me and, um, gave me the opportunity to learn, uh, learn the sales side of the supplier side of the wine industry. 
So I ran national sales for him, gosh, about four and a half years or so. Um, then we started having kids and life on the road was going to be a little too tough. And that was when uh, I made the shift and switched over and started working with Lang and Reed. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about Lang and Reed. Yeah. The name. It's basically your husband and his brother. That's correct. Yep. Name? So Reed is technically my husband's middle name and Lang is my brother-in-law's middle name. But Lang and Reed's named after the boys and they are both, I believe it's maternal uh, grandparent maiden names. Um, so they're, it's the familial names passed down. And uh, what I love the most is that my son's middle name is Reed and my nephew's middle name is Lang. Oh. And my son, who is seven, um, already dreams of taking over the company with his cousin so they can maintain Lang and Reed as Lang and Reed. I know. Literally. I know. Fantastic. (laughs) That's pretty wonderful. The next generation. Yes. How much wine is produced? We make roughly about 3,000 cases, um, give or take, of course, with Mother Nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't own any of our own vineyards. We have long-term contracts Contracts. with multiple vineyards Mm -hmm. uh, all throughout uh, the North Coast AVA, Um, Mendocino, Napa, Lake County, Sonoma. And originally, Lang & Reed was built off two wines. They were both Cabernet Franc. Uh, one was meant to drink earlier and one was meant to age. And, uh, that was the backbone of Lang and Reed up until, uh, 2013 when the Chenin Blanc came around. And if I were to look at the SKUs now, we probably have eight different wines available. You have quite a few Mm -hmm. Cap Bronx. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we stuck with the, what we sell here in the tasting room, gosh, I believe we have, four or five. Um, our, our, our broad market Cabernet Franc is a California appellated wine. Mm -hmm. And that is our largest production. Um, this upcoming production will be about 2000 cases. Um, and the shift into a California AVA was mainly due to mother nature. Uh, Lake County is a huge producer for us for Cabernet Franc. And, uh, it was the 2018 fires Mm -hmm. for Lake County where we had to extend our reach beyond so we've worked with um, fruit from Hollister, vineyards in the Sierra Foothills, um, Sassoon. So we're able to be really versatile and nimble with that particular wine. Um, and that's what you'll find by the glass at Mustards and Bistro Gentil and things like that. So it's just this like beautiful, versatile, food-friendly, unmistakable Cabernet Franc. Um, and then we get into our smaller production wines. We make a North Coast AVA, which is about 200 cases, uh, Lake County, Sonoma, and Napa. Um, we make a single vineyard, single clonal bottling of Napa Valley uh, Cabernet Franc called 214, which I would, if I had to choose a flagship wine, that would be Lang & Reed's flagship wine. Okay. Um, and we have some beautiful, uh, what we call monograph wines, which are winemaker selections. Um, so single barrel productions, things that John, uh, my father-in-law and winemaker extraordinaire has uh, deemed that just just stand out too much to be put in everything else we do. So those are always so fun to have in the tasting room. So those are our monograph wines. Then you have this fabulous house, Mm -hmm. which if I understand correctly, you opened in 2020. This was your vision. And closed in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) And reopened. And reopened. So this old, isn't this dreamy? This old Victorian house. 
So this house date back, dates back, gosh, I think it was 1902 that it yeah. was built. Um, and the original owners uh, was the Salmina family, who were some of the original owners of Larkmead. So there's a beautiful connection there. Um, but this house, Langenry, the, these old Victorians had summer kitchens. And when this building turned commercial in the 60s, they had turned the back summer kitchen into its own office suite. Oh. And then the front of the house is this like beautiful, big, um, open office suite. And so I maybe 10, 15 years, that back office suite was the world headquarters of Lang and Reed. And we didn't do any tastings. It was Lang and Reed was... I, I would say 98% wholesale and FOB driven and 2% of our sales went out the front door. All the profit is direct to consumer. All the profit is direct to consumer. So you yeah. need to switch that around. It was a, you know, turning the Titanic. I think it's uh that's a big shift to, to make. And it's, sure. you know, we had to think about wine production and, and having enough wine and, and enough variety of wines. And so, um, my in-laws, my mother-in-law and I always joke that it's teaching old dogs new tricks. And here I was trying to, you know, convince them, let's do it. Let's do it. And yes, St. Helena is a small town and there's, um, you know, a lot of hoops you have to jump through for something oh, like right. this. Mm-hmm. And we, for gosh, it must've been a year or two. We were doing all sorts of tours with real estate agents, trying to find the perfect fit. If we were going to open a tasting room, where was the perfect fit? And finally, one day we just, as a team realized it was right under our nose. It was right. We already had it. (laughs) And so in November, 2019, we had gone through the motions and, uh, worked with the city council and gotten approved for the permit for the tasting room. Hallelujah. Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Hallelujah. And so, we sunk oh time and energy and effort into making that back office suite into this beautiful almost speakeasy like tasting salon it was has this beautiful wool um fabric on the walls it's just coat like a cocoon it's just this wonderful tasting salon we could fit 8 people and we opened march 1st of 2020 and obviously did not stay open very long as everyone did, we had to shift and right. figure out what the heck we were going to do. One, we had all our eggs in the, the, the wholesale world mm-hmm. and with restaurants and retailers shutting down, obviously that wasn't going to work. Right. And here we were jumping into direct consumer and now we didn't have that. So all of a sudden you're up against a wall thinking, what or how are we going to survive? Um, that the answer to, for us was twofold. Um, the first was that the gentleman who was in the front of this house graciously, I don't know if legally, but graciously let us utilize his front porch for tastings. And so we went to like Southern roots, right? Front porch sitting. Like how dreamy is it? And back then, back then in 2020, uh, (laughs) There weren't cars. Like nobody was driving. It was quite, it was like the, we had the world to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we were utilizing it. We were doing some outdoor tastings. And so that was slowly starting to build our DTC part. And the second piece to it is that, uh, my husband and I started a cooking show, I don't know if you knew about these. We I started. do not know about. Oh, wait, we, I do. It's on your website. It's on our website. Yes. Yep. It's called Sip and Savor. And we haven't done them since quarantine. But 
what we realized is that Lang and Reed for so long had been behind the distributor, the distributor and the sales team on the ground was the face of Lang and Reed. And how do we flip that? How do we give Lang and Reed a face and a personality Exactly. uh, during COVID when we can't hang out with people and we can't taste with people. So we took my husband and I bless his heart for doing this with me. We took every recipe that Lang and Reed had ever been paired Mm -hmm. with and one of the beauty, one of the beautiful things about Lang and Reed wines is they are so food friendly. We would be reading food and wine, and all of a sudden, oh, look at this smoked pork chop recipe! Oh my God, they want to pair that with Lang and Reed Cabernet Franc, and it happened over and over again. And we'd never done anything with those, and so we decided we were going to cook all of them. And we started this cooking show, and my husband and I posted up in our own kitchen with our children running amok and start to finish, we cooked all these recipes and each recipe was an episode and we tied it in with Lang and Reed and talking about the why. So the what was which wine it was and what the recipe was. And in the end, it was a, a pulling it all together. However, the interim during it all, it all of a sudden gave people this realization that you weren't alone, right? Like, Oh my God, you're struggling with your children throwing fits on the floor while you're trying to work. I'm doing the same thing. And okay, maybe I'm going to have two glasses of wine tonight. And so it was just like this realistic, open, raw, vulnerable side. Um, While at the same time, we felt like we were hosting people in our house and having people to dinner. And so it kind of gave Lang and Reed this personality and this face. And even to this day, we have people walk in and they're like, Oh, I saw Megan learn how to shuck oysters on, you know, sip and savor. I can do that. And so it's, you know, and now we have this beautiful archive of our children cooking with us and us making the most of sheltering in place. And so it was a, it was a wild ride, but, um, we, we made it work and it helped kind of turn that ship. Mm -hmm. And now I would say, you know, maybe we're 40, 60 direct to consumer and wholesale. So we've had this big shift and, you know, we have this great wine club and it's like it happened and now we're in 2023 and it's like a completely different ball game. It's been amazing to watch and to, to, to see the four of us, two separate generations working together for a common goal and, you know, to, to make Lang and Reed thrive. So what's ahead? What is your next goal? I would love to have my husband make me some sparkling Chenin, mm-hmm. which I feel like the world needs more sparkling Chenin Blanc. There's multiple things ahead. Uh, Reed and I have just started our own wine company called Rockhound Wine. Mm-hmm. And we are um, selling it here at the tasting room and tasting it here at the tasting room. And, you know, Lang and Reed has long been a destination for varieties outside the norm in Napa Valley. And now Reed and I are here making Pinot Noir from the Santa Rita Hills. So something that you don't Mm -hmm. really have access to in Napa Valley. So not only can you find Chenin Blanc and Cabernet Franc, but now you can find um, Santa Rita Hills Pinot Noir, Mm -hmm. which we just fell in love with. So that, so we're making some Pinot. We have some Rosé that goes with it. And uh, that's, Rockhound is very vineyard driven and vineyard specific. So I see that growing incrementally, but slowly incrementally, um, doing it on our own is a lot different than stepping in with your in-laws and working with their company. So 
So Rockhound uh, has a, a piece of our hearts going now. And Lang and Reed, we just keep dreaming. More Shannon, more Cab Franc, and watching Reed and John work together on the production side more and more. Um, I just feel like the opportunities are endless. So if someone wants to taste your wines, mm-hmm. what's the best way for them to do? You know, two two different ways. Uh, we are on talk, so you could find Lang and Reed on talk and make a reservation. You can also call, and either myself or my mother-in-law will pick up the phone. So or you can talk to Megan and bottles. Tracy. You can order bottles. Yeah, you don't have to come in for a personal tasting. You could totally order. Um, you can go to langandreed.com, and everything is on there. Um, all of the Lang and Reed wines, the Rockhound wines are available for sale on there as well. Um, and a couple, I, we have some really cool library vintages on there, which are always fun to have, especially for the holidays and, you know, anniversaries, birth years, things special like that. Special occasion. Absolutely. Which we all learned in COVID that you just make your special occasion. Right. Right. You don't Every have to wait. Is a special occasion. <laughs> just open the bottle today. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Well, let's shift on to your personal life now. You live in the town of Napa. Mm-hmm. Yep. You could have lived anywhere in the I Napa know. Valley. How did mm-hmm. you choose Napa? Once we lived in Napa, we loved it. We were, um, I had started working for Longmeadow Ranch. We had all this accessibility to airports. And uh, it was so family friendly. And right. we knew that was what we wanted to do. And so our goal was the least expensive house in the most expensive neighborhood. And so we bought a fixer upper over in Browns Valley Okay, and we've lived there for God, 12 years now and couldn't imagine living anywhere else. So if we took a step inside your home, mm-hmm. what would we see? What's your decorating style? <laughs> well, I almost said kid art and laundry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Other than kid, other art than kid and- art and laundry. Um, I would say, I have a very um, Spartan way of decorating. Um, clean. We like, I love clean walls and bright lights and um, plantation shades and photographs. Oh my God, I love family photos. And so Reed and I have been together for 20 years. We have this beautiful adventure of where we've lived and what we've done. And the photographs almost become the art for us. Uh, not necessarily just with us being in them, but, um, we have one photograph that is Reed and I on the coast abalone diving. And I just found out the other day that my children thought it was their great grandparents, like this old archaic picture. <laughs> really? It was maybe like, 10 years no. ago. I was like, That's actually me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, so that's what I would say. Um, we spend most of our time in our kitchen. So that was where all of our um, efforts went, was 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 uh, making the kitchen the place to be for us. So the photographs are your artwork in your home. Yeah, yep, yep, I would say that. Okay, predominant color in your home? Um, you know, walls, every wall we have is white, except for my children's room, which is this beautiful, like, ocean blue. Uh, they had an aquarium theme when they were tiny. And, um, we love, I don't know if you ever remember this, um, this furniture store called the wooden duck in Berkeley. And they had all this handmade teak furniture and everything was just, 
wasn't all teak, but it was all unique pieces. And so, you know, like we have this beautiful platform bed from Wooden Duck and, and they just, everything they had looked and felt and probably was handmade. And so there's a lot of rusticity with the cleanliness, I would say. We have big, bold leather couches, but on this beautiful sparse background. So, um, I don't know what style you would call that, but it's there's your a style. Yeah. And there's yeah. a touch of farmhouse. I mean, our, right. our kitchen table couldn't be longer. It's sort it's like 12 feet long because we want to fit as many people, people. as we can around it. Okay. Um, so, but most of our entertaining is done right in the kitchen. When you kick back and relax, what kind of music do you like to listen to? I love every musical genre. I have to admit and a lot of that comes from growing up in the South. So from, you know, Alan Jackson to Wu-Tang, right? That it's anything in between. Um, I also, in my spare time, teach spin classes. Um, so there's a lot of musical variation in that. And I pride myself on trying to have something for everyone. Um within within a playlist so um i also really love being in touch with what my children are listening to so we listen to you know hits one and uh you know alternative rock and my husband loves yacht rock and so it just depends on the mood okay i would say but you could you could probably hear almost anything played in our house in your opinion what ensures a successful dinner party i have always been a do-it-myselfer Pizza dough, I'm not going to buy that. I'll do it myself. (laughs) (laughs) So what I've learned over the years is not to make things so difficult. So when people offer to bring something, I always just say anything you want, whatever you want to add. And I just feel like I've learned over the years to not fully uh, dig myself in this hole of having to have everything be perfect. So accepting help and accepting the mess that comes along with our home. Do you have a go-to dish that's always a crowd pleaser? Caesar salad. Okay. Hands down. I love to bake my own sourdough bread. And I think that homemade sourdough bread is the key to a good Caesar. Um, I also feel like you can judge a lot of things by someone's Caesar salad, both restaurants and people. Uh, So I take great pride in our Caesar salad, the Caesar salad that I make. Yeah. Don't you want to try our Caesar salad? I know. Right Were you now. expecting that answer? <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> Which leads me to my next question. Is there something people might be surprised to learn about you? Yeah. <laughs> Why well, I love Caesar salad. <laughs> no, that can't be it. Um, I mean, like, do you, have you skydived? Do you rappel down mountains? Did you do something wild and crazy as a kid? Something that most people don't know about you. Yeah. I did skydive one time. Uh, I took the leap, as you could say. Uh, it was when I was living in New Zealand, and I jumped out of a plane over Lake Taupo, and it was impossible to breathe, and then it was the most exhilarating thing I've ever done. I don't ever have to do it again. <laughs> once was enough. I would do it with my kids if my kids asked me to do it. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was wild. I don't think I ever saw myself doing that. I've always lived a very vanilla life. <laughs> I mean, I just... She likes white walls. Like, yeah, I don't step on on the limbs too often. 
But okay, um, but you did have the lake underneath you. I know that, to break the fall. Right, right. That, <laughs> right. That is kind of reassuring. Right, 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 right. I love scuba diving. We, I, I love going to, I, I finding buoyancy with scuba diving. I feel like is flying, and so very similar in that. Mm-hmm. So you could have just fallen right in and found buoyancy in the water. Uh, but but I would say the other part that most people don't know is that I teach a class. I teach spin classes, but I also teach a class called Body Combat, which is a mixed martial arts, non-contact, uh, but a mixed martial arts, um, high-intensity cardio workout that I am head over heels completely 100% passionate about. And I don't really ever feel like my personality comes off as martial arts no combat <laughs> so so if somebody wants to attend your class where are they yes. taking place i at? teach uh, i teach body combat at in shape down in napa monday okay. wednesday nights at five thirty. okay i also i teach spin up here in st Helena at this adorable little studio called fit envy um so i teach wednesday mornings at nine fifteen and um, a class down at Synergy by the hospital. Wow. So I really, you know, fill my spare time in. She has all this free time. Two kids, two wine brands. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I feel like you've already kind of answered this, but I'm going to ask it again because maybe you have a different answer. Is there a meaningful or memorable trip that you can tell us about? I feel like your whole time in France... Pretty memorable. Yes. I mean, and I don't know if I would even classify those as trips per se, because we You were living there. Right. Right. So I had moved to France. I had moved to New Zealand. I would say my most memorable trip of my life was going to Big Sky, Montana as a kid. And I grew up in Atlanta. So in Atlanta, everyone knows who Ted Turner is. Mm Mm-hmm. And mm. we went to Montana and I was maybe third grade, maybe fourth grade. And I remember going on a, uh, a snowmobile adventure with my parents and we pulled up and there's a herd of bison and I was convinced that they belonged to Ted Turner. That was it. It was his, his pack, right? his herd. And from that point until God, must've been when I shifted into sports so maybe high school I wanted to be a large animal vet and go to work for Ted Turner in Montana <laughs> so, Aww. Yeah. it didn't happen of course right. but uh you know That's there's always there's always the tomorrow <laughs> who, right. knows? Right. who knows yeah but that one definitely sticks out in my head well we're gonna wrap things up with five quick questions great you ready I'm ready okay what kind of car do you drive I drive a 2019 Audi Q7 who would be your dream dinner guest? Oh, Freddie Mercury. Who is that? <gasps> oh my gosh. Lead singer of Queen. Oh. I mean, do they have to be alive? No. Okay. Yeah. Freddie Mercury. Hands okay. down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, third question. What's your favorite flower? Uh, lilies. Next question. What? is in your nightstand well it was homework uh, because I just finished getting my master's degree from Sonoma State and so now I'm proud to say it is not textbooks it is a kindle uh, and a candle okay what's the last movie you saw 
<laughs> the Meg. What is that? I know. I, it's about a Megalodon and it has Jason Statham. The Meg 2 isn't, I mean, it's an awful movie, but it's so awful that it's so good. I don't recommend, it's not like a highly recommended movie, but I mean, you know, it's sometimes you just have to turn it off. Right. And sometimes I need those movies that don't matter that I don't have to pay attention to, to just kind of turn the world off for a minute. Okay. Yeah. Well, Miss Megan, it has been a real pleasure yes, to not likewise. only uh, sit down with you today, but to learn all about you. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you for being here and having me on your show. It's been really uh, a pleasure and an honor. Visit WineCountryWomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.